All right, Urena. Uh, what what's been going on with you? It's been a while. <laughs> um. Well, as you know, I have finally decided, and we'll probably discuss in a little bit. Um, I finally purchased the Resident Evil Village game. I I broke down, <laughs> and I finally purchased it, and I've been playing that. Um. Now I haven't played it in a few weeks because I did try sending my children away multiple times this summer to the lake to try to consume their souls. Um, they survived. <laughs> they made it back. So they're still here in the house alive and well. And um, I have not been successful in my endeavors. But we have been enjoying the game together. Lots of screams. I really won't spoil a lot for people. I'll discuss, you know, when we discuss any kind of news or whatever or anything about the game I'll confirm or deny. <laughs> I haven't made, we haven't made it all the way through yet. Like I said, you know, sending the kids away um, over the summer and everything. I haven't played without them because they would probably be very upset with me oh, and condemn I'm sure. me. So, yeah. Um, and then I've been watching, actually, um, I don't want to go into detail because you already have. I've been watching some of the B films that you have watched. Uh, Little Evil was one of them, which I actually enjoyed. <laughs> you actually enjoyed an Attack of the Bees. I did. You know what? It wasn't bad. Yeah, uh, that was definitely. And that wasn't. You're right. It wasn't really so much a B film, but it's not like it was a huge budget film either. It was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. that. I thought they did pretty good with it. That was one of those it. mid-tier films that you could only get on a streaming service like that. No big, big company would pay for that. But then again, it, you know, it, it didn't, it had enough production behind it that you were like, okay, this isn't one of those, you know, straight to video type deals or anything. So. You know, I hate to say it. Whenever I see something's coming to Netflix, I kind of know it's going to be decent quality. So <laughs> every time, you know, I'm like on Netflix, I'm like, oh, shit, that's probably going to be good. They have some good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, Shudder does as well. I, we'll get into that a little bit later. As far as myself. What have you? Yeah. Well, I've just been watching a bunch of movies. You know, I've been trying to clean out this roadhouse here, you know, get the blood stains up off the floor and, you know, clean up the, the cobwebs and the and the dust in the corner, getting it back up and ready for action since uh, they've opened everything back up. And I don't know, it's it's just been, you know, since I've been doing that and it's been a little gap between, you know, the last time we talked, I've just watched a ton of movies. And so we'll get into that a little bit. Well, somebody's at the door. Here we go. Cue the music. Cue in the music. everybody welcome back to death holler i am your host the reverend dr death and with me as always is your co-host la urena um it's been a while since the last podcast uh the one that you're listening to in particular was meant to originally be an april fool's episode and we are currently recording this in <laughs> july right before the the fireworks on the fourth so 
yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, poor Urena had an attempt at exorcism. Um, thankfully, she destroyed all the souls that that tried to uh, remove her from the, this mortal plane. And I had a few visitors to the holler that had to be dealt with. They're not going to be talking to anybody soon, so we're we're, we're good on all that. In the <laughs> we've, we've been, been a little bit busy. Uh, in the time between, uh, we've actually went through a lot of changes with how we want to do the podcast. Uh, first up is the rating system. Now, this was Urena's idea. Uh, she no, this was your idea. Don't give me. I I said we needed a just for scariness, but you came up with the whole idea. Well, yeah, but you said that we needed something to to give credit to the movies themselves. Like, you know, if we, if we just rank it apart, like there might be a really good movie, and, and I'll get into it in a second, like, you know, the ones we reviewed last uh, you know, like the devil's advocate that, you know, maybe didn't have the scares and, but I mean, according to our ghost, you know, scare system, but it, it was a great movie. So we needed to give credit to that. So I, you came to me, you said we need to come up with something a little bit different. I was like, and I had to think about it and I don't know. It, it I was sitting there one day and just watching the turkey vultures pick at some roadkill on, you know, near the, the roadhouse. And it just, it came to me like, you know, it was just, you know, out of nowhere. We need a new system based on Rotten Tomatoes, and we're going to make it our own, and we're going to call it the Rotten Corpses System. That's right, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be out of a five, five out of five type system. Uh, if it's uh, rated a five, it's certified fresh. You know, it's a corpse that's just been made. Uh, if it's rated a one, it's absolutely rancid. It's like that uh, bloated water zombie in The Walking Dead Season 2, the one that basically explodes whenever it's touched. It's, you know, that putrid. Uh, so that's what we're going to go with from here on out. Um, how do you feel about that, Urena? I am actually so happy. It came so fast to you. It's like <laughs> you were planning this or something. You were thinking about this because I you came back with it so quickly, and I go, oh, my God. That's actually pretty awesome. Now, we did discuss having the ratings of, you know, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, but then I wanted to kind of make this very similar to Rotten Tomatoes, even though we that's not a, uh, I don't know, we don't prefer, we don't look to them for any kind of ratings whatsoever, but I thought it'd be funny to kind of follow that guide. So there will, I don't know, we might start with just the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Eventually there may be percentages well, involved if we can get that figured out. <laughs> I think the five four three two one is is pretty good because I was thinking about it, you know, right before we started this podcast, and I think that's the system that Roger Ebert used to do, and we all know what a fan he was of cult movies. I mean, he gave absolutely horrible ratings to every beloved cult film in our genre, so I believe it's a dedication to him that we we stick with a five out of five. You know, it might not be what Rotten Tomatoes does, but it's kind of giving oh, back to yeah. Roger Ebert and how he, you know, has went on to say that films like Evil Dead were some of the worst trash he's ever seen. So there you go. <laughs> now, we did also discuss going half points on certain things. There may be a time, it might not be as common, but there may be a time where we have to give a 0.5 on the rating scale just because maybe it deserved a little more than just a one or maybe it deserved just under a five. I'm fine with it all the time because I feel like it helps differentiates between movies. Because I'll give you an example. If I was going to go back and rate some of the movies that we've loved, you know, going prior to this episode, uh, it it would be like The the Witch or The Vivitch. Um, I would rate a five out of five. Excellent movie. Yeah. The scares are there. Top notch. 
Devil's Advocate, I'd probably drop to a 4.5 just because it's not really, I mean, if I'm rating it, even factoring in the scary stuff, it's a great film, but I don't feel like it's oh, on, yeah. I, I don't feel like it's quite as good as, as The Vivage, so... And then the vivid, yep. Yeah, and then of course the Omen, I would give like a three out of five. I mean, it was an okay movie. It's not one that I'm like dying to, you know, like ever go back and revisit necessarily. But there was parts to it that were enjoyable. So, oh man, Reverend, you you'll never believe what I <laughs> I just stumbled upon. Shocker. Um, there are five different stages of decomposition for corpses, <laughs> and I think that'd be really great for our scale. <laughs> and, and what are those? Because I tried looking well, for this and I I couldn't find it. Apparently, I, I Googled the right thing. So, I mean, I want to keep the certified fresh corpse, but that would be the bloat, which, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how we would use that in for our top five. Um, there's advanced decay. And hold on, maybe I didn't get. I just figured, okay, so one would be rancid because that's what you just said. Four would be rigor mortis. Uh, yeah. Because if it's a fresh corpse, it's not in rigor mortis. And then three, two, and one, we're going to kind of have to. Kind of read because it, it, I don't know, I don't like the way that uh, Wikipedia broke it down here. But it says, Let me see, decomposition is the process in which the organs and complex molecules of a human body break down into simple organic matter over time. Uh, five stages of decomposition are typically recognized fresh, bloat, active decay, advanced decay, and dry skeletonized. I want to keep it. We'll keep rancid. We won't go dry skeletonized. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think, it, I mean, it just that was the first thing in my mind. I was just like, that, that bloated water corpse that they dug out of the well at Herschel's farm mm-hmm. in season two of The Walking Dead, that is exactly what uh, one movie would be. It's just like, as soon as you watch it, it's just like it blows up in your face and you're just like, why did I watch this piece of shit? So, you know, that's what, <laughs> that's what we're going to go up with on that. Um, okay, so three is active decay. Um and then uh, I like that two for is three. advanced decay. Advanced decay, but I don't know if we want to change that or not. And then number one would be rancid. Okay. Yeah. So well, if we need to change things up, we'll, we'll address that later. That's what we'll, we'll go with for now. That sounds good. And that wasn't the only change we came up with. Urena has been very busy behind the scenes on getting us up and running on our own thing. So I'm going to throw it over to you and, and let you discuss, you know, uh, where we're found and, and, you know, what all we got going on now. Well, I actually had some people uh, message me over Instagram, which I did not know was a thing, um, and say how much they enjoy the show. Uh, spreading the word to their coworkers. Thank you very much, listener, for that. Um, so they liked it. They just said that we are kind of hard to find because they were having to funnel through all of the Blue Collar BS network. Now, we have no issue. Blue Collar BS is definitely our sister podcast company. Uh, we will still be associated with them, but we have ventured off onto our own. We have our own RSS feed now, so you can find Death Holler on pretty much most major podcasting networks. I am working on Pandora right now. Uh, we've all but given up on iTunes. I might keep trying. It's been very difficult with them. Uh, they keep telling me to do something that I've already done. So I'm not going to go too much into that. But we have our own RSS feed. We have our own YouTube channel. So everything that we have done thus far can be found on YouTube. And if you're looking to listen to us, you're not watching us on YouTube, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on CastBox, which is an up-and-coming, I don't know, I hear everybody talk about they're using CastBox. All of the podcasts that I listen to when everyone says, hey, what are you listening on? CastBox is one thing that popped up a lot. 
I might be too old for their interface. Uh, I don't prefer it. <laughs> I think it's for the youngins. But hey, if the youngins want to find us on CastBox, you can. Uh, we can also be found on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. And we are on Google Podcasts. So we're in quite the uh, areas. We can be found pretty much anywhere. If you are only listening to iTunes, you are stuck in the Stone Ages. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And Pandora, I know from experience because it took a long time to get Blue Collar BS up and running on Pandora. They just take a long time to approve your shows. So all I have to say is if they approved Blue Collar BS, I, would, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't approve Death Holler. Yeah, I mean, if it's a political bent, I mean, I don't think that that's going to be an issue on our side if that, you know, but stranger things have happened. And we, we also have the website that should be active by the time that they hear this podcast. And hopefully I can get some more things loaded up on that. Yeah, I was looking at it. I didn't know if you had it active and live yet for the viewers to look at. But I was looking at the website, oh, God, just a few days ago. And it to me, now, this is a compliment. It's, it's simple. It's easy to navigate. It lets me see everything that I want to see personally, so hopefully the viewers will think the same thing when they go and visit it. Well, that's what I'm hoping. It's, I just want easy access to the episodes and then, you know, possible blog, you know, articles that might pop up later on uh, with regards to different things maybe that we're doing, you know, um, that's not related to necessarily movies or, or whatever. Yeah. We also have a group on Facebook. Now, we have a page and we have a group. Now, Facebook is not fun when it comes to pages. They are hard to navigate. They are hard to post on. They are very strict on what they allow you to post. But in a group, it's way different. So you can find us on Facebook groups. You just got to search Death Holler, look for our group page, and you will see where we are posting constant horror memes. Uh, maybe we'll start posting articles there, things that we've been looking up, news that we found recently, things that you know we'll be discussing and you can have fun in that page. You can post whatever you want to. Uh, say hi to us. Let us know you're listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate any and all feedback and, and interactions. So that would be great. Absolutely. I mean, listen, the, the, the one listener that contacted me and said, hey, I really like your show, but it's hard to find. I kind of already knew that. Um, and it was kind of an eye awakening or eye awakening, eye opening, <laughs> <laughs> you know, experience because it was like yeah i mean if we want people to hear us if we want to get out there if we're just hiding behind the you know brushes look i know that's spooky and everything but we still want to be found eventually <laughs> yeah we don't want to be like those clowns and what was it 2018 or whatever it was it just uh, disappeared and never came back we're we're gonna be uh, lingering behind you and uh and, and pop out when you least expect it absolutely but at least you'll know we're there give you give you a chance you know <laughs> One other change that we're going to bring to the podcast is that the new segment's going to be its own episode. Uh, so look look out for that uh, going forward. We figured it would be better. There's more things we wanted to discuss news-wise, and it was kind of making the shows a little bit more or a little bit longer than we felt like they should have been. So we've kind of broken it up that way. Oh yeah. And uh, before we get into anything else, the movies that we're discussing this episode because I don't think I've mentioned it yet. Since it, oh, no. <laughs> since it was April Fool's that we were going to do this, we it's going to be a double feature, and we have two comedies. Uh, they 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 they're not really horror comedies. They're they're just kind of straight comedies, but they've got like a horror theme to them. Is uh, Repossessed and Stay Tuned, and there's a theme between them. And basically, it's that TV is evil. 
that was something that we figured. E.B. is the devil. It is the devil. Um, that was something that we figured out earlier that they all have a theme, and it even goes into the Attack of the Bees for this episode when we get to that, but they all kind of tie together with that theme. But before we get to any of that, we have watched a ton of stuff, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Urena, and let you review The Unholy because I know you've finally seen that movie, so you can kind yes. of discuss that. <laughs> I will give just a short breakdown of it um, because you kind of went into a pretty decent amount of detail, also kind of short, which was good because we're not doing a, a, you know, legitimate review of that. I think that's going to come down the road when we get into what, what do you think that genre would be under of the seasons that we want to do? I don't know. It's almost a combination of demonic and ghost. I mean, spoiler alert, if if you weren't aware of that, but I mean, it's like a little bit of both when it comes to that. Yeah, well, as you were discussing, I mean, and you and I had this discussion too over Messenger, is that the lore behind it, it had a solid lore. Now, not to mention, I mean, the main reason I kind of wanted to watch this is because you had your daddy Winchester in there. You had your Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, He's got charisma. I was like, this is going to be fun to watch just to see his pretty face. Uh, Was more than just a pretty face, everybody. Was definitely... A uh, really good movie. Um, unofficially, I believe I gave it a what four four out of five. I believe or, I believe that's yeah. what you said. Yeah, four out of five. It was definitely uh, going into rigor mortis, but you know, it wasn't certified fresh. There were just a few things that I don't know. There was kind of a few things that were repetitive in it in terms of what was happening to one of the main characters. Uh, and going over like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. You're starting a cult. We get it. You vape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the lore, the lore was solid. I mean, if it was, if it stuck strictly just to the lore, man, this would have been a solid five. Um, and then there were a few CGI moments that, and it was just a few because you were right. There were sometimes when it was the legit, it looked like this could have been real. And then there was a few times we were like, ah, that looked like it was from back in the early 2000s, maybe, it, it uh, maybe like, even late 90s. I would, at best, I would give it credit as looking like some of those ghosts in the in the in the early 2000s remake or late 90s, whenever it was for the haunting that that movie. Yeah, it was that level. Yeah, it definitely had that vibe. So I don't want to go too far into it. I really do think you need to watch this movie. Um, like I said, I'm giving it a pretty high rating. Uh, you know, um, my my possessed daughter, she fell asleep. So there's something wrong with that one. <laughs> it was a comforting movie. Uh, the boy was scared. I don't know that he slept very well that night. <laughs> he was scared shitless. So uh, it was a good movie. Uh, everyone has definitely has to go check it out. And then we will be doing like an official review of it down the road. We have a lot of seasons planned. We want to do a legitimate witch season. We want to do a zombie season. We want to do a ghost season. Uh, we have quite a bit planned. Oh, God, the human horror season. So I'm going to save the remainder of the review for that. All I'm saying is go watch it. Um, find out for yourself what you think of it and stay tuned down the road because we are eventually going to review it, review it. And I, and I can't say anything more than that because I, I agree. I, I believe it's one of those movies, uh, recent uh, recent horror movies that needs to be seen. It's, I mean, the, the lore is that good that, I mean, it was it was such a fresh take that, I, I mean, I, I was enthralled with that part of it, even if I thought some of the other stuff was a little iffy. But a movie that I was expecting to be good and was severely let down by was The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh. Now, you can throw your own opinion in on this, Urena, but I, 
if I was going to rate this movie, I think I would give it a two out of five. And that's, that's being generous just because I literally fell asleep during part of it. And I don't even, I don't even know what happened in it, to be perfectly honest. So. Oh, that, yeah, it's happened to me a few times. Well, uh, let me see. I, yeah, I'm going to have to go with a two. I was almost thinking one and a half. I'm surprised you didn't give it a mm. one. Honestly, I, I watched the because, I, I watched the curse of Yorona. I can't give anything uh, a one after watching that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason why I'm so low is because y- I think the listeners by now know how terrified I am of any kind of religious horror, and this movie could have really had it. It just it just missed the point. It really it bounced between a true story about how a man really was on trial for murder and his defense was the devil made me do it. Now, I don't know that verbatim that was the defense, but I mean, in a nutshell, that's what it was. They were basically using the fact that he was possessed at the time to prove that that wasn't him that did the murder. That was the devil. Uh, They had a strong defense, and it was actually accepted in court. Now, he did serve some time in prison. I know he's out. Um, That's not really spoiling the movie because they addressed it very briefly in the film, and I know they discussed a few details at the end. They missed – they could have made a whole movie out of the trial. It really could have been the devil's advocate, you know, in the sense of where they could have followed the trial and had the details – of the horror stuff behind it. And the supernatural horror stuff, in my opinion, was too fake. It, it it went to the point where sometimes I'm watching this and I'm like, man, that could have really happened. And then when I was watching this, I'm like, this is so fake. You know, it just took away from the movie. So I wasn't scared. My daughter was bored. That is so insane. That is such a foreign concept to me because I'm always terrified by anything that has to deal with Catholic prayers and, you know, possession and things like that terrify me. In this movie, it was, I just was very upset. I could not believe that I wasn't In case anybody doesn't know, this follows the Warrens like all the Conjuring movies. I mean, Ed and Lorraine. Oh, yeah. And this kind of focuses more, spoiler alert, if I guess you didn't know this, the fact that around this time, Ed started having heart troubles and it kind of, and and that, that, that to me starts one of the most dull plots in this movie is just every, every time that Ed tries to get anywhere near the supernatural is like heart starts beating rapidly and, you know. Yeah, and then and he passes out, so it's up to Lorraine, and she starts, you know, she's into more trouble than she's ever been in any of these movies. And and personally, I loved the first Conjuring movie. The second movie, I oh, hated yeah. the whatever the name of the, the the little man that came out of the carousel, you know, during part of the movie. That was so fake to me. Every other thing in that movie I liked, but I didn't like the the you know the little the whatever they call him in that movie. Uh, but he's just like this little creation that comes out of one, like this little mobile type thing, like where the, you know, the light, you know, moves around or whatever. And uh, that, I feel like this movie took all that junk that was bad in Conjuring 2 and just made a whole movie out of it. And yeah. there's also a story on the Conjuring 2. When we get to that, I think we might do a whole season just of the Conjuring universe because there's enough to kind of tie them all together. But Oh my God, that's quite the movies, yeah. The second Conjuring movie is based on a case, or, you know, they're all based on real cases, supposedly, but the one in the second movie, there's actually a short miniseries I remember watching, I watched on Hulu, that was about the British side of the story, because it's set in England, like a little, you know, 
And in the oh, second yeah. movie, there is there was an investigator who stayed with the family and and tried to figure out what was going on before the Warrens were ever called in because they only came in there the, during the tail end of it. Now they don't paint it out to be that way in the Conjuring too because they make it seem like the Warrens were involved from the get go. But this other guy, uh, a, a British paranormal investigator. Uh, who was quite a bit of a skeptic, that series, that miniseries follows his attempts to help them out. And I felt like that miniseries was actually better in parts than what The Conjuring 2 was, even though I liked The Conjuring 2 for the most part. But I say all that to say that the third one, it just didn't have what it needed to have. I mean, the scenes of the possessions that were in it were like doled down like retreads of the ones in the first movie. And like, uh, you know, and then they threw in this other... Like it, it, there, I'm not going to spoil the movie for anybody, but there's, it's not really just a straight possession. There's something else going on, at least the way they paint it. And when they threw that that thought that plot line yeah. into it, I was just like, give me a fucking break. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was. The problem is too. Now I want to talk about that British one very briefly, is because I've listened to that story, and that story is fucking insane. And what I want to know about the family involved is I, well, I guess, okay, I got to think about this again because I think they were just to the point where they couldn't afford to kind of get away. So you, you hear these stories and you're like, why didn't oh, you just yeah. get the fuck they, out? But they were dirt you know? poor. I mean, like you're talking like, I mean, they had they no other were, options. Yeah. I forgot that part. So <laughs> my apologies there. But uh, that story is fucking legit. And listening to that and the amount of evidence, even the police that were involved that back it up, that you can lose integrity as a police officer for saying, yeah, there's something supernatural going on. That blew me away. Now, also, moving forward to The uh, the Conjuring 3, I just, if you think about this story and how it is a legitimately based on a true story and they turned it into inspired <laughs> by real events... Which is one funny thing I like to mention. The, based on a true story could have been a fucking scary movie. You could have mental mind fucked people like me or, you know, anybody else that's like, you leave a little bit to wonder. Leave a little bit to the imagination. Don't just show your titties out on full display. Just leave a little cleavage <laughs> of horror, you know? <laughs> that's all you need. That's all they needed with this is to make people wonder, is this possible? Because if people think that's possible, that is a nightmare you. It's like in my opinion. painting like... Basically, let the the audience like fill in the gaps in their own mind, as opposed to showing them everything. And that way, that there's like kind of like my, my favorite scenes from any of the iterations of the of the Shining. Basically, is those scenes where like Danny's like ha- halfway into the room, and like there's nothing there quite yet, but you hear things, so it makes you think fill in the gaps like of what the the horrific thing's going to be when oh, yeah. he finally sees it. You start preparing yourself. What am I going to see? You start <laughs> clenching your butt cheeks. You hold your bladder a little bit to make sure you don't let it go. <laughs> you put your legs up on the chair. Whatever you have to do to mentally, I don't know, prepare yourself for what is coming. And this movie just didn't do it. It was so fake. I was thoroughly disappointed in it. Uh, there could have been so much more to it. And, you know, it took away from Ed and Lorraine, too, because Ed... I think he was just a regular Joe Schmo that married a woman of talents. And I think he kind of enhanced her talents. I think he helped her. He believed her. He didn't call her on crazy. I do believe that people like uh, I'm right there. exist. I'm right there with you. I uh, believe it too. And I think, I think that he was a good match for her because him being, I, I believe he was, at least the portrayals of him, was that he was strong in his faith. And I, I think that helped ground her where she needed to be at using her talents. 
Absolutely, because when you have people just constantly calling you crazy, when you see these kind of things or you experience these kind of things, it's, you know, I don't know. It. I think she actually had a talent that she did help people with. A lot of people called bullshit on them, and that's what's going to come with that kind of exposure. Uh, so <clears throat> they might have, Ed might have taken it a little further too. I mean, I don't know how well they did if they really banked a lot of money on these my personal, alleged talents. My personal opinion on the, the Warrens is that they maybe trumped up their accomplishments, but that there was something behind them. You know, it was like it was like they started seeing, feeding into their own legend a little bit, and that's why a lot of people are, you know, like true skeptics are all like bullshit, you know. And there might be a certain degree to that, especially, I mean, if you take the Conjuring movies into consideration, all oh, those are total bullshit. But I mean, like the actual... The actual oh, absolutely. stuff behind the Warrens, there, there's something there. I mean, there, there was, you know, there was enough involvement with certain cases, and enough other paranormal investigators worked with them, and and felt like that they were legit enough that they could trust them. That I, I believe there was something there. I just kind of feel like they fed into their own, you know, egos a little bit later on. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know because when you see an, uh, a money opportunity like that. And I think, obviously, there's a reason they truly believed a lot of the things they did, not just because of the money, because at first I know it was not about the money. Later on in life, it probably did become that way, and... Well, I mean, I don't blame them I don't, for, I don't blame them for it. I'm just saying I think that's where, you know, like the skeptics, you know, tend to base all of their credence on that. Yeah, on the more recent events versus what may have happened in the past that was legitimate. I don't know. I feel and, like people and, and don't want to open their eyes to it either. And that they, they base everything on is the fact that the Amityville Horror, which the, the, the Warrens are just kind of like the, the Conjuring 2. They were only at the tail end of all that. They, they, they tied themselves to that and... and and said that they that Lorraine said that she sensed something in that house that was evil, and that is such a contentious story to begin with that I think that's another you know thing that people use against them and you know and all that because there there's so many people that cause the story of the Lutzes and all that with Amityville horrors being pure bullshit, and then they they lump the the Warrens in because Lorraine agreed with them, but there is a photo, and I I mean I. They can say that it's doctored or whatever, but it's the creepiest photo I've ever seen of the little the little boy, shadow boy with the, the like the eyes or whatever that appear on the oh, banister. Yeah. And they included that at the end or yes. at the beginning of the conjuring too. That is the creepiest thing you can see in your life. And I mean, I, I don't care what anybody says, I believe it's a legit photo. I mean I know that that house has not had anybody in it, you know, like since then that's had any issues. But that's not to say that they're, that the Lutzes didn't experience something while they were there. I, I don't call bullshit on them like everybody else does. Yeah, But that's absolutely. beyond the point. The Conjuring 3 sucks. So I, my recommendation. And, and <laughs> All that banter leads to the fact that, yeah, the Conjuring 3 sucked. Um, and go, you can go see it if you want to, if you're desperate. <laughs> it's it's on HBO Max or it was. It might have passed off there now, but I, I don't even recommend really watching that. If you're going to watch anything uh, past Conjuring 2, watch and you want to see the Warrens in it, watch uh, Annabelle Comes Home. They're in it for a short bit. It involves their daughter. It's a lot better movie as far as just scares go. I mean, I don't think it's really based on anything legit, but it's at least entertaining. And um, one other thing I want to say is I think The Conjuring 3 was written by the same guy or directed by the same guy who directed The Curse of Yorona, so that might be why it sucked as well. Just saying. Oh, dear Lord. 
That's uh, a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Are we discussing La Llorona now? <laughs> we're not discussing that yet. We will, uh, that, that will be during the, the Conjuring Universe discussion. But moving yeah. on to a better movie. Uh, I'm going to throw out there The Quiet Place 2 is a 5 out of 5 for me. Oh, man. That That is a movie you need to go watch uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, you know what? Um, Unofficially, a 4 out of 5 for me. I was not terrified by the demigorgons. <laughs> I don't know when I saw, okay cuz I never uh, Yeah, throw it throw it out I there never, the fact you've not seen the first one, right? I have not seen the first one. So <laughs> My apologies, but it was nice. I'm going to throw this out there that it was nice to get into this movie having not seen the first one, not knowing what to expect and being able to follow it. They did an excellent job in a small amount of time in the first, I don't know, what, 20 minutes of the movie? Well, that's what, kind I, of. That's what I was going to throw out there. I think this is actually a movie that anybody, even if they've not seen the first one, can actually watch because they fill in the absolutely. gaps enough. They actually go back to the time before A Quiet Place 1 and give you even more backstory than what A Quiet Place 1 had. Yes, and it was nice because it, they did it in a small amount of time. They didn't waste a lot of time. They got straight to the point, but it was very memorable. Like everything still in my head of what I saw. And it really helped form this second movie, in my opinion, too. Because if, if you had seen the first one, then you know what happened. You can watch the second one and probably didn't need all that. But for someone like me to step in, unknowingly husband's just like hey i got movie tickets we're going to the movies and i'm like cool what are we gonna see <laughs> oh okay quiet place too i've never seen the first one it's like well you're gonna see it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no very good four and a half out of me um four and a half four and a half out of five corpses i don't know it's a rigor mortis for me almost certified fresh because uh i don't know i don't i wasn't too terrified by the monsters well, it's a five out of five for me because, I mean, I, and I'm going to throw out there, I have a bias for post-apocalyptic anything. So that, oh, yes, you, know, you do. And I'm going to throw that out there that that's probably what edged it from a 4.5 into a five. But I got to give John Krasinski of Office fame, who played Jim, you know, he's the one that directed both of these movies. He is masterful at, at doing this type of film because there is a point in like midway through the movie where he is struggling. He is, he's not struggling. He is juggling is what I meant to say. Three different plot lines at the same time. And he does it perfectly. They all like have the tension where they need to be at, at the same time together. They all, I mean, have you on the edge of their, of your seat. I mean, it, it's perfect. I mean, it's three totally separate plots, but they all work to kind of get you where you need to be at. Oh, yeah, they all tie in really well. Yeah. Too. Just, oh, my God, no. Uh, and his wife. It's not like Emily Blunt, is it? Like, I don't know why that it name's is. coming to me. Yep, it is. Okay. Uh, she was amazing in the movie. Oh, she I wasn't she, expecting a ton out of her. Yeah, she's awesome in it. Yes, very believable. Oh, my God, just everything that happened. Even the kid actors. Oh, my God, they were so good. And I'm going to give credit. I'm going to have to look up his name. Um, Cillian Murphy. He played the Scarecrow in the Batman Begins movie. Excellent. Yes. Excellent in this movie. He, that's one Wasn't of the, he in 28 Days Later? Uh, he, I think he was. I, I, oh, my I, God. I love him. I've seen every movie. He's a weird looking actor, in my opinion. He, he but is. Every movie I've seen him in, he's amazing. Well, the funny thing is, he's one of those characters, and I mean, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything by saying this, but he's one of those characters that you always assume is going to be, in wrestling terms, the heel or the bad guy. And yeah. and sometimes he makes that turn, but other times he's a hero, and you're like, 
that's you know he's he's just right on the cusp. He's got those looks like he could go either way, and it, he's kind of an interesting like you never really know. It's like you you automatically think he's going to be typecast as a villain, but then he pulls it off when he he does hero roles. So I don't know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It got me good in this movie. So yes, he was in Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, also, another excellent film. That'll be something to review in uh, the zombie season, which I am not looking forward to at all. <laughs> There's going to be a zombie review here in a few minutes, so get get uh, prepared <laughs> for that. So, yeah, Quiet Place, excellent movie. Go watch it, you know, if, if you can. I, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, next up, we both watched uh, another movie that eh, it, it kind of borders on being relevant for this podcast, but uh, it kind of does, given the nature of what it's about. It's Cruella. The, oh, man. The newest live-action Disney movie trying to make you empathize with one of the major villains from the cartoon series that they came out with a long time ago. I, they did it. This movie's actually really good. I, I, I rate it way better than Ma- uh, Maleficent. I, I mean, if, if you want to... I mean, I... Going into this, I made the joke to Urena a long time ago. I was like, there's no way they're going to make like a dog killer or attempted dog killer into a, a sympathetic character. And fuck, they did it. Like, they absolutely did it. Oh, you know what killed me too in this movie, going off of sympathizing with her, is that in the movie they played sympathy for the devil. <laughs> they, they did play it. They did. This it. movie, one thing, because you guys know the one thing La Arena catches in these films is I catch the music. I always hear the music. I always know what I, I'll reference it to something. And this movie had an amazing soundtrack. Oh, just the soundtrack to top is off. it's brilliant. Yeah, I loved every bit it of is. it. And you know what? The thing I hate they, what they do now is when you go to look up a soundtrack, if you wanted to buy a soundtrack, whether it be on iTunes, wherever you purchase your music, is that they do the original like soundtrack, like the actual uh, songs that were made for the movie. They don't use the good songs that they use. <laughs> they don't use the pop the movie. music, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and I don't know that they're going to do that with this. I have not looked because it's just so disappointing. I can just go find the music anyways. It's, I have Pandora it, Premium. It is a period piece. It's got a lot of, uh, like, 60s punk in it that, that's really mm-hmm. good. Uh, a lot of uh, folk, there's some folk music in there from that time period. It, I, it's just great. I mean, uh, they... Yeah, the, very exciting from beginning to end. The storyline flows. It, it, once that movie starts, do not get up unless you hit pause. <laughs> Uh, you're going to miss details that you need, not necessarily need, but you're going to want to see. Um, I was surprised my daughter liked the fashion in the film, which was fucking hilarious. It just went really well with how they tie in the Dalmatian, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> situation. Yeah, they, they do a good uh, job of giving you a reason why she's not a, f- a fan of Dalmatians, as it were. Yeah, and overall just explaining who she is and how she became who she is from beginning to end. I am telling you, do not blink. Do not go to the bathroom unless you hit pause. You're going to want to sit down and watch this from beginning to end. It's worth it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, if I'm going to give it an unofficial ranking because I need more watches of it, I mean, I can't just say like I did with A Quiet Place. I still think this is a four or four point or 4.5 out of five. I mean, it, it's, it's one that I really want to watch again. So it's high up there. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing really scary in this movie. For me, it is a five out of five. It was fresh as fuck for me. <laughs> well, I, I want to give it that, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, I, you know, I, I, it might. I don't know that it's when you're watching this movie, you come out of it with a high. It's, I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. It's just one of those yeah. movies where you walk out and you're like, damn, that was a good movie, you know? I kind of want to know if they're going to make her bad, bad, well, the, you know? Like the, she was bad in the film. 
Well, the funny thing is, what I was going to say is, if you watch Maleficent, they make try to make her sympathetic the whole way through, except for the second mm-hmm. one that, you know, better not even mention that piece of shit. But uh, Cruella, they actually break down like in the, I don't know if it's the last third of the movie or, or like somewhere in the halfway point, she becomes a kind of an ass to like the people who are closest to her. And that actually makes the movie better because you're like, okay, you you tried to make me, you know, sympathize with her. And then you pull it back and show me the kind of the bitch that she becomes later on. But then like you pull it, you know, and she makes the turn again. And it's like, okay, I kind of like that little, you know, emotional roller coaster they did with that, you know, in the movie. Yeah, it goes without saying she was unapologetically Cruella. Even when people tried to put Cruella at bay, she was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, there's a there's a turn in the movie, not to spoil it for anybody, but she's kind of like got a dual identity problem. Uh, she tries to suppress the Cruella part of herself. And like the part where she makes the turn is like one of the best parts. I mean, it's just, oh, it's amazing yeah. to see like her, like just like, okay, I'm, I'm done being the other person that everybody, you know, thinks I should be. I'm fully going to be myself. Yeah. It's a must watch without saying you, you have to see this movie. It is not a horror film by any standards, but we are telling you, you need to see this movie. Well, I throw it's it about the devil. I throw it, <laughs> I throw it on there just because it's a Disney villain. Anybody who's in the, like the Disney Halloween stuff, you know, they, always bring oh, yeah. they always prayed their villains out there so it's kind of related to horror not not really but kind of not to mention how many times they talk about the devil in this film oh that's true quite a bit perfect for this season is all i gotta say now next up is a movie that's been on the back burner for years i it's, it finally got released in 2020 and that's the movie the new mutants that was set in the the fox uh uh x-men universe that's now defunct and going to be you know rolled into marvel at some point supposedly yeah <laughs> but this movie, like, it, it's one of those that they it was they tried to do like the superhero horror film is what this tried to be. It did succeed at it, and it's it's too middling for me to recommend anybody to really go out there and watch it unless it's on cable. Which, in case, just you know, it'd be it's fine. It's like maybe a two and a half, three yeah. out of five or something. It, it's fine if it's on cable. You know, go ahead and watch it once, but. It's amazing the amount of people they got in this, and and they got them. And like I said, it's been out there for years. I mean, this has a young Macy Williams, or Maisie Williams, however she says her name, the Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. She had, she still, I think she was still filming Game of Thrones whenever this was on. First of all, it's got her. It's got our one of our favorites, uh, Anya Taylor Joy from The Vivitch. Uh, she's one of the main characters in the movie. It's uh, got Charlie Heaton, who plays Will Byers' older brother in Stranger Things. And um, and for I don't watch the show, but it's got another uh, actress named Blue Hunt, who is one of the originals in that in the vampire show on the CW. So it, it's got some, you know, young talent in it. It just, the movie doesn't really succeed at what it needs to do. For me, it was one of those things where they didn't really play the horror up enough because you're still dealing with, like, super-powered individuals, so they've got, like, a ways to kind of overcome it, even though it, the way they tie it in, it's more their, their mind thing. I did like the fact that all the characters have, like, one of those origin stories that's, like, really, you know, that's, like, just really dark and and all that. I thought that was kind of an interesting twist because that's something that most of the super, you know, hero movies don't do. But on the superhero side of it, it's just, it's it's not that great either. So that's the reason I say it's kind of middling, you know. Have you seen that, Urena? I don't understand. I have not seen it. And I was just going to ask, is this something that is like, okay, if they have the superhero aspect and they weren't playing up the horror aspect, is it something that they wanted 
kids to be well, able to watch? N- no, not really. Because adults, like maybe? the the like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like one of the characters, like dark backstory. Well, they all have dark backstories. One of them. Um, he killed his girlfriend because his superhero ability, whenever it came out, his ex, you know, his mutant ability, when it came out, he becomes like as hot as the sun. So he basically flash fried his, you know, regular girlfriend, like burn her to a crisp right in front of his eyes. Uh, Charlie Heaton's character, which is the interesting twist in the movie, he plays the only superhero in comics to ever come out of the state of Kentucky, which is interesting. He he was a former coal mi- or coal miner's son, and when his and when his ability <laughs> kicks in, he his, he goes by the name of Cannonball because he can travel at supersonic speeds, and he basically caused the whole mine to collapse on everybody in it, you know in the mine and killing them, including his father. So that's kind of his backstory. And, like, Macy Williams is this character that's got lycanthropy. She turns into basically a werewolf, um, controllable, but it's it's a werewolf thing. And, like, she's got this thing where priests tried to, like, did all these horrible things to her because she was supposedly cursed by the devil and, you know, because of her lycanthropy. So she's got, like, this uh, abnormal, like, like traumatic stress in her mind about, you know, priest and anything Catholic and that sort of thing. And um, and then Anya Taylor Joy's character is even worse because she was like, uh, as a child, uh, traumatized by like a bunch of scientists and stuff that were working on her. So I don't know if you've ever seen that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where the the silence or whatever they're they're called, like the the creepy uh, bald headed guys in the suits or whatever, like uh, make their appearance. But like she's she I is constantly remember. surrounded by creatures that look like that. So it's, I mean, because that's what she viewed all of the people that would like torment her, uh, you know, medically whenever she was a child trying to figure out what her mutant, you know, what was causing her mutations or whatever. That, that's what they manifest as whenever she sees them. Hmm. Well, it's rated PG-13. Yeah, I mean, and they... Uh, which is not, that's a pretty low rating. Like PG-13 isn't going to, my kids are not going to be thrilled with that. <laughs> I, I, I just think that they didn't have the balls to go like, you know, dark, uh, dark enough to make the horror stick. And at the same time, like I said, you're dealing with superheroes. So it's going to be hard to really deal with that anyways. Cause I mean, it, when you got regular people or, you know, in a, in a situation that's supernatural or whatever, I mean, it's, you know, th- they've got to overcome a lot to get through it. Like you take, you know, the final girls going against Jason, for instance. I mean, he's a super powered, basically zombie that, you know, can't be killed. Whereas, yeah. whereas you got like characters that literally can like burn as hot as the sun dealing with, I mean, you know, I mean, they, they can basically kill anything. So why, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to generate horror with that type of character. They, they tried, but they just didn't succeed. Oh my God, Reverend, if you want to laugh at me, I have seen the new mutants. I did not know I was watching the new mutants. <laughs> it was that bad. Uh, huh? <laughs> it was. Yeah, well, it's, my husband put it on it, a lot of times. My husband just throws something on and I'm like, this is what we're watching. This is what's happening. Um, and I'm going to throw out there that this, the beginning of the film, the backstory and kind of explaining to me was so long that I was like, I was bored. I, I kind of like, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of looking at my phone through some of that until it got to the better stuff, mm-hmm. like later in the film. And then that's whenever I kind of paid attention. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's like one of those movies, yeah. you know, it's... Yeah. I'll be honest with you too, I didn't make it to the good stuff in the film if there was any, because I was like, ah, eh, this is, eh. You know me and slow burns, and yes, there was action. Yes, it kind of showed their abilities a little bit in the beginning. It wasn't completely dead. It was nothing like, you know... uh house of the devil or anything but it was <laughs> that's a slow boring enough slow yeah it was boring enough and i had no idea that i was watching a quotation mark horror film at all at all 
I thought it was some kind of Netflix show, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they spend, it's it's like they put them all in, in what looks like an insane asylum. All the characters think they're going to be part of Charles Xavier's, you know, School for Gifted Children. Yeah. And, you know, and, it, and it's a lot of, like, building up the relationships at the beginning. So, yeah, there is a lot of that to get through. It's kind of, you know, is what it is. Uh, what are you unofficially rating it as? Like I said, it's like a two and a half. I mean, I, yeah. I'd probably rate it that. I mean, if you see it on TV, watch it once, maybe. Just kind of, I mean, you might want to skip, like you said, the first part if you really don't want any of that backstory stuff. Although, when yeah, and I, I, I think that still would be fine because they don't really reveal their dark, true backstories until like later on in the movie, too. So that's the most interesting oh. part of the film. So, yeah, just probably okay. skip the beginning, yeah. Yeah, I can't even give it a rating. I mean, I didn't make it to the good stuff that allegedly exists. So, uh, yeah. But but I think it's, I only bring it up because I think it's been out there for like 10 years in development hell and they, they didn't know what to do with it. And they finally just released it in 2020. They're like, fuck, we don't have anything else to re- release now because of COVID. So here so you wait, go. So these characters were legit, probably teenagers when this was being filmed. Uh, close enough. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It, well, if not teenagers, close enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a long time for that movie. Oh, my God. The next movie that's been a long time in development is uh, Army of the Undead. Or what is it? Army? It's Army of the Dead, I believe is actually what it is. I think I got it wrong in my show notes. But Army of the Dead by Zack Snyder, uh, which is an unofficial pseudo-sequel to his uh, Dawn of the Dead remake that he did. This one stars Dave Bautista in the lead role, you know. Uh, Woo! And uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. And... Um, I want to throw out there, there's another, uh, the funny thing is there's another actress in this movie that was, uh, here's a story, Tig Notaro, which some people might know as a comedian, she has some of the best lines in the movie, but the funny thing is, is she was next for actually in the movie, and what I mean to say by that is they, they filmed all of her scenes originally with this other actor, and he had, and he was the he was the main actor on Whitney and some other stuff. I don't know his name. He's not really to me. He's not that funny. But regardless, he had a bunch of like right before the film came out, he had a bunch of like things come out that he'd been like chatting up, you, you know, teenage girls. Like I mean, I'm talking oh, like legit seventeen year olds on Instagram, and like I mean, doing some nasty stuff. I mean, not maybe not like real life, but like the way he was talking to him. And like whenever that came yeah. to light, they just kicked him out of the movie entirely. And they refilmed every one of his scenes with Tig Notaro, uh, like in a green screen type situation. So if you see the movie, the funny thing is, is when you see Tig Notaro, the reason they've always got her separated from the rest of the cast is she never actually filmed anything with anybody else at all. It, it's hilarious. It's pretty impressive. And it looks good. It, it looks legit. Uh, I mean, her. I mean, you can when when you know that you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, it's just, it's kind of one of those things where you know when they try to do the thing where they make somebody into like a twin or something in a movie and they're talking to each other. Oh yeah, and and you can tell they're not really interacting at the same level as like somebody would. You get that from her performance, but at the same time, she's some she. I mean, she's I mean, she's a good comedian. Like I mean, like her stuff is legit funny. So it was good that, you know, like she brought the humor to it. It's just kind of funny when you watch her scenes. It's like, okay, yeah, she's not really there, you know. And you and the funny thing is on the other side of it, whenever you see like Batista and whoever else is supposed to be, you know, talking to her, it's mostly Dave Batista that's, that's interacts with her. 
<laughs> there's totally no indication on his side that he's talking to her at all because he wasn't. And so yeah. it, there's but a. But he re- was talking to somebody. Yeah, just not the same delivery. So it doesn't like his facial, his reactions to her are not natural. Is all I'm saying. Oh, like, okay. It's like because oh because she came in and delivered her own way of doing things that was probably better than this other comedian, honestly. And like Batista was only responding to the guy that was already there. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's a little bit of of that going on. There's a lot about this movie. First of all, I'm gonna say that the movie kind of sucks. So don't, <laughs> don't don't get your hopes up that this is going to be like the next coming. Because the, the Dawn of the Dead remake by Snyder was one of the best remakes I've ever seen of a zombie film. He took uh, the George Romero movie and really, I mean, although I didn't like some of the changes. I mean, Dawn of the Dead's a classic, the original Romero movie, and will always will be. But Snyder did an excellent remake. So a lot of people are holding him up to that standard. This is not that movie. This is basically Ocean's Eleven. With a oh dumb, with some dumb zombie stuff going on in the background. So a lot of fucking zombies, though. There, there's a lot. Uh, so basically, the plot of the movie is that there's a, uh, and that's where we start out with some of the the questionable stuff with Snyder's direction and everything. There is this couple that's going, that's just got out of of Vegas. They're, they've just been married, and they decide, you know, hey, it's time to get frisky while we're driving down the road. So the, you know, the bride starts, you know, giving, giving head to the... Pleasuring. Yeah, to, to the groom. And on the other side, there is some soldiers that are supposedly hauling something from Area 51, and they're making jokes back and forth that they think it's alien-related, uh, which figures figures into something later that I'm going to discuss. But anyway, so they're too busy bickering back and forth whether or not it's alien-related to be watching the road, and the two of them collide and cause whatever the payload was to be opened up, and it turns out it was this super soldier zombie that the government or somebody was manufacturing, and he goes on an absolute tear, and he happens to be right over uh, Vegas, and then that's whenever it starts probably the longest and most complicated and involved uh, intro credit scene that I've ever seen in my life because they literally packed three movies of action into one intro scene. <laughs> I, I swear to so you. So you're saying I'll like it. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, watch the intro scene, if nothing else, because, it. I mean, you've got Viva Las Vegas playing in the background. You've got people getting torn up left and right. You've got a mini story about this lady who's trying to save her kid. And spoiler, she dies in the intro credit scene, so she doesn't even make it into the actual film. But you oh, follow, Jesus. But you lived the whole zombie experience through her i mean it's like she gets you know barely gets away she finds her kid you know like the whole they set up a whole plot for this lady and and, then she dies and she dies right as they're walling off the place so it's like okay she died doing what she wanted to do i'm sorry did i see in the preview that there is a zombie dog uh, there is a zombie, uh, what tiger in the movie? No, no. Oh, less. tiger! Rawr. Yeah, it's a uh, Siegfried and Roy's tiger. Uh, go oh, figure. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that is funny. I saw that. I, was, I thought it was a dog. I'm watching on a tiny, tiny screen. I'm like, okay, let me let me get the backstory while you're describing this, so that it's like a preview with, you know, a voiceover. <laughs> right. Uh, so here's some things about the movie. It's got some interesting lore. It sets up that there's two two types of zombies. There's fast-moving zombies, and there's the shamblers that we all know and you know love from the Romero movies. Love, because who wants to deal with the fucking fast ones? Well, the funny thing is, the fast ones, if you're bit by the alpha... The, the main super soldier zombie that was originally at the beginning of the movie, you turn into uh-huh. one of you turn into an alpha zombie. You can run fast, you can still think oh, a little shit. bit, you can still communicate and like grunts and whatever they do. 
But if you're like secondary to him and then you bite somebody, then you make a shambler. So it's kind of like, oh. it's kind of got that vampire lore, you know, like the master vampire Boring. bites, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but they set up like that the alphas all have like their own tribe that they're forming inside of Vegas. And uh, so there's that subplot. It doesn't really pay off. And it might, like, he's talked about making a sequel or a prequel. I don't know. We'll get into that in a minute. And so they might pay off later. But, like, there's this whole thing where the alpha zombie is also able to impregnate people. So I don't know if you've ever watched. I'm sorry. Excuse me. What? Yeah. So if you've ever watched Dawn of the Dead, there's a whole thing in the movie where there's, uh, there's a zombie baby that's born in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, yes. I remember that. Well. Zack Snyder's got a fascination with zombie babies. That's all I can say because he brings up the concept again in this one uh, because the Alpha and his uh, and his first lady, if you want to consider her that. Oh, his good lady friend, huh? Yeah, yeah she's a former uh, exotic dancer in Vegas. Oh, okay. Uh, she uh, she gets killed in the movie, and uh, which it's hard for them to kill those type of zombies, but they do. And he's really and it pisses him off, and that's what sets the whole movie into motion because she was carrying his child. Um, it doesn't pay off in the movie at all, but uh, that's one of the subplots in it. Okay. <laughs> I just gotta say the stuff. The movie's kind of dumb. It's just one of those popcorn. Okay, wait, wait, wait. She was pregnant with his baby before. No, zombies. He, he, no, he's always been a zombie. He turns her into a zombie. They somehow mate, and then she mate, and she's going to have his zombie children. Oh my god! Yeah, that's exactly that's that's exactly what you need to. <laughs> I think. needed to clarify that, but not just for me, <laughs> for the listeners. Well, yeah, th- that's it's clarified. He was making zombie babies for what purpose? We'll never know because it never bring they never bring it up in the movie. Uh, maybe in the sequel, I don't know. But it was going to be like a nephilim zombie. I guess. Two I don't. alphas. <laughs> so the things I got to say about this movie. A, it's a dumb action movie. So don't expect any kind of like, you know, Romero-esque like meta commentary about society or anything. There is none. It's uh, Zack Snyder just playing around with zombies. That's that's all he's doing. Uh, the plot's kind of, you know, so-so. I mean, I've, you've seen better heist movies because literally there's not much of a heist in it, even though it is kind of an Ocean's Eleven type thing. And you've seen better zombie movies. It's it's okay. Uh, the funny thing is, though, is the amount of stuff behind the scenes that this stuff is brought up. This movie's brought up because this movie is has got a lot of people that are making their own like fan fiction, or maybe according to Snyder, it might even be real fiction. He's not really said one way or the other. He agrees with this. So first of all, oh, shit. Before I get into all that, there is a dead pixel, because he filmed this movie with a busted old Sony-ass camera. I don't know why he chose to film the movie that way. He thought it was retro cool for some reason. When you watch the movie, you'll notice that like most of the scenes, like you, you barely focus in on the main actor, and then everything else off to the side is fuzzy. That's because he's using a shitty camera. He thought he was being yeah. a, you know, an auteur when he did that. I think it's just aggravating. Okay. Uh, but when he filmed with that camera, it has a dead pixel in it. Because it was a digital camera. So when you're watching that on your big fancy digital TV, just, oh when God. you see the dead pixel, it is not your TV. So don't freak out. A lot of people have. Reverend, it is a zombie <laughs> pixel. Please call it like it is. Okay, it's a, it's an undead pixel. There you go. There you go. Uh, so having said that, there is uh, some other things about this movie. First of all, uh, I listen to a, a series of YouTubers called the Red Letter Media. They are great whenever it comes to breaking down a, a lot of films. I, I love their sense of humor. They reviewed this movie, and they brought up something that I didn't realize until after they said it. This movie is almost a complete ripoff of 
of the movie Aliens with Sigourney Weaver, the sequel that has Bill Paxton in it. And yeah. the reason I say that is because, and they show this in Red Letter Media's YouTube video if you want to watch it, if you take certain scenes from Aliens and compare them to this, I, I don't think... I think Snyder did this unintentionally, but I think he loves aliens so much that it subconsciously snuck into the film. There is like rope for rope scenes, like, you know, get away from her, uh, from her, you bitch. You know, I think that's <laughs> in the movie almost directly. Uh, there's uh, one of those lines like Bill Paxton says, like game over, man, kind of, but not quite the same. I mean, like there's little ripoffs. I mean, it, it's, it's scary how close they are whenever you compare them. So there's that. Secondly, the fans have came up with all these weird-ass theories about this movie that makes it way more interesting than the movie should be. And and I hope these are true just so that the movie's more interesting, but I think it's people just making up things to make themselves feel better about watching it. So partway through the movie, there was a character in the movie that's like this, uh, before the zombie apocalypse, he was kind of a uh, philosophy major. And they get to a certain point when they're near the... Uh, the safe, whenever they're, they're getting ready to, to crack the safe that in the casino, that they see these dead, uh, these people uh, th- that, were, that are completely dead. They're not zombies. They're just dead, and they're wearing the same outfits and even have some of the same jewelry that they're wearing. And he comes up with this thing just off this cuff saying, we're in a time loop, you know, that this has happened before, and oh. that's, you know, that's, and that's us. We've died trying to do this before. Well, this is set the internet ablaze. If you watch it, this, it is theorized that this movie truly is working on a time loop because at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they drop a nuclear bomb on Vegas and they think that the nuclear bomb somehow sets a time loop into motion and that it's constant. Dave Batista and his group are every time there, and there's other scenes in the movie, they go to corrab- corroborate this, you know, like there's a scene where they're, they're, getting the plans laid out by the guy who's hiring them to go break into the safe. And there's something beside them uh, while they're looking at the plans. that looks like it was put there before they ever got there. And it was, and it somehow plays into them being there already. I don't know. They, they've got all kinds of stuff on the internet about it, but anyways, so kind of makes me want to watch the film now. <laughs> well, that's and you what, know me. I don't like zombie That's movies. what I'm saying. The, the fan theories are making the movie way more interesting than the movie actually is. So they, they go by the fact that he says that and that there's other things in the movie that kind of tips it off that it really is a time loop. And they actually, this is one of the times they've been through and they were successful for the most part this time. And maybe they'll get it right in the future. But that's not the only thing. There's also the theory that some of the... But wait, there's more. <laughs> wait, there, there is more. So the other theory is, is that the zombies in the movie are not all zombies, that some of them are actually robots because there's a couple of scenes where the zombies have glowing eyes and the rest of the zombies don't. And so there's fans that came up with a theory that, that some of the zombies in the place were government plants that were zombies and they were watching the, the whole thing because the movie kind of revolves around the fact that the government's kind of doing this as an experiment and all that. So <laughs> there's this whole subplot about that and you know people are going wild with it. And I just, I think it's crazy that people's come up with that. And, and Zack Snyder is playing into this bullshit because like, he's, he's like, hmm, that sounds pretty cool. And then he does this shitty grin. So he's not, he's kind of like, I, I think he's like realizing that the movie's kind of uh, shitty and like that stuff sounds really cool. So he's like, yeah, I might work that into the sequel. Well, you know what they say? Any, like any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> That's true. So he's probably rolling with it, and I say good for him. I mean, this movie has a lot of hype, so this is the first time I'm here. I obviously have not watched it for reasons I don't need to explain. But that being said, I've heard a lot about this film, and I have not heard one bad thing about it. This is the first time I'm kind of hearing an actual critical reveal. 
Yeah. It, well, as somebody who loves zombie films, I, I rate this as a two and a half at best, probably a two on a good day. The the fan theories make it a three, and that's only because if they're really true, they make, the like I said, the movie way more interesting. There's also, before I, I finish up all the fan theories, there's a theory that it's all alien-based, too, because of the fact where it starts out, where they're oh, talking Jesus. about Area 51, and they say at some point in the movie, you can kind of see an alien uh, spaceship flying over Vegas, Oh my god! And so, like, I'm telling you, it's it's the weirdest mishmash of all these different theories, and it makes the movie w- way better than it, than the actual movie is if you watch it just based upon what's on screen. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna offer to watch it with my hubby, and he's gonna be like, <laughs> "Wow, she wants to watch a zombie film with me." And then I'm gonna point out all these random theories, like, "Oh my god, it looks like it could be a robot. Is that an alien spaceship? Why is there an alien spaceship? Did you see that? Rewind it." <laughs> there- he's gonna be like, "God damn it." The only thing I'm going to say in its favor, as far as like the horror element of it, because like I said, the zombies are too kind of too stupid. Like there's one scene at the end of the movie where the alpha zombie, it's kind of smart of him to do this, but he's wearing like this Viking helmet looking thing, so he can't be headshot because that's the only way you can kill him. Oh my God. And he just looks like something out of a Franz Frazetta painting or something like that. You know, the guy who did like Molly Hatchet covers and all that stuff. But anyways. Oh, shit. <laughs> The, the there, I mean, the only thing that was actually scary in the movie to me was, and and I'm I'm a sucker for this type of scene, so that's why it got me. Was there was a scene where they they go inside of a building, and one of the lore aspects of it that they built was that the shamblers during the day are kind of comatose, and they all kind of huddle up in the dark, kind of like bats or something. Oh shit! So there's a scene where they have to go through a building, and they 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 have to walk through the shamblers or crawl through them more likely, and Ugh. and without being without touching them because then they'll act. Activate them, and uh. that kills me when stuff does that in movies, games, anything like that. I'm like, nope, nope, big nope. <laughs> you know, like I mean, just the fact that you know that they're getting ready to attack somebody, and you're just waiting for it to drop. You know. Uh, yeah. Um. I will give you that. In uh, Resident Evil Village, there is a scene, I and that was <laughs> one of the most gut wrenching scenes I had to go through. Uh, neither one of my children wanted to brave through it. Uh, so it was me, the worst person on the controller, and the yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> so I don't want to see this movie anymore. I, that that scene's, I mean, that scene <laughs> is tense. I've got to give you that, but I mean, the rest of the movie's just dumb action movie stuff. So whatever. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's it's the fan theories make it way better than it is. Uh, the only thing I want to uh, follow up with, I've, I've got a few like random things here quick. Uh, I did finish up Castlevania on Netflix since we're talking about Netflix oh, shit, movies. That's so uh, good. Netflix series. It's great. If you're a fan of Castlevania, I highly suggest it. I mean, I, I was I was captivated right to the end. They do right by the series, I think. There's a new, there's a couple of new zombie series on Netflix. Well, nope. one of them's not new. It's been out for a while and it's not getting a sequel. So I, I, I don't really suggest. Hey, wait, is it Black uh, Summer? Black Summer's the new one. Oh, Black Summer is actually really good. It, it actually is. It's based upon. You know what? It's uh, it's one of those, uh, here, we're following this story. Now we're following this story. Now we're going <laughs> over here. Now we're going over there. I fucking hate those, by the way. But for some reason, I've been able to follow this one. Yeah. And, and, and well, it's a lot better when they start tying some of them together because I was the same way. I was like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm normally fine with that. And I was watching this. I was like, shit, where's this story going? What? I was like, wait, we just dropped that one. Where are we going now? You know. Are you in season one or season two? I started up season one, so I've not got that far okay. into it. I have not watched season one. I'm watching season two. <laughs> Let me tell you. Apparently, you do not need... Well, season one is really good because my husband's like, oh, yeah, this character was from here. This character's from there, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know that, but 
in the it didn't make me any more confused watching starting at season two. I, there's one thing I've got. And again, this was against my will because when do I ever just put on a zombie show to watch? Right. Never. There's one scene in that that I've got to give them credit for. There is a scene where there's like a boy and girl are like talking to each other because they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get out of this town. Like, you know, all hell's breaking loose. The zombies are out there. People know about them. And all of a sudden she just gets hit randomly by this car that's trying to speed through there and get out of there too. And like he tries saving her, but he can't. And like she just hops up out of nowhere and just starts killing people, you know, like, you know, after he leaves her. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Like I was like, okay, I've not seen that yet that I'm aware of. I mean, she just, how graphic it is when she gets hit, how, you know, they play out her quick death. And then all of a sudden, bam, she's a zombie and she's going after them. Yeah, it's badass. And like uh, the I guess the best thing I like about this, what kind of traps me in is that the action, it is chock full of fucking action. And you know me, I need nothing but action (laughs) from beginning to end. Yeah, it is. It's that's pretty much the show. It's funny because it's based, if anybody didn't know, it's kind of a prequel to Z Nation, which was kind of like a sci-fi joke zombie show that they did. You know, I like that one. That was actually, I liked it. <laughs> Speaking of zombie babies, I think that figured into the show a little bit. But Oh my God. Uh, the other one I was going to tell you about is uh, there's a movie called Daybreak. And it's it's a little bit, I don't know, it's hard. It's, it's a weird one to describe because it's basically a post-apocalyptic setting uh, done in the style of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, in fact, they have Matthew Broderick in the show, and he plays actually a very funny and cool character whenever it's all said and done. He plays the principal, and it's got a lot that I can recommend because I watched it straight through. I thought it was enjoyable. There is a little bit of politically woke stuff that they kind of get into later on in the series, and you're kind of cringe, but the characters are all teenagers, so I had to give them credit. You know, it's like, it is what it is. Uh, the only bad thing is it sets up a really cool second season and there's not going to be one. Netflix canceled it and said they're not bringing oh, it back. Shit. So uh, it does this because the, the whole story is uh, basically a plot of like this Ferris Bueller type character. He is surviving on his own, but he's decided he's going to find this girl that he was in love with right before the apocalypse happened. And it's um, and it's basically following him trying to find her. And, and the setup at the end is, is re- a really good twist, I think, on that whole concept. Uh, they even address, if I remember right, in one of these shows, I believe it was this one, the, the whole, like, mask and, you know, like, kind of it had the COVID vibe going on anyways. And it was it, this was done in, like, 2019, so it was kind of weird. But uh, they do that a lot more in Sweet Tooth, by the way. Sweet Tooth is an interesting whole concept. I mean, if... If you live through COVID, through like most of us, Sweet Tooth is a whole other series they've got on there, and it it totally devolves into like the whole people paranoid about you know viruses and all that. But this one kind of yeah. does it a little bit too, just not to that extent because this is more of a comedy. It's more like an adventure type thing. But the reason I bring it up and the zombie part of it is all the kids uh, were fine when the bombs dropped because the Russians and the Chinese both uh, developed these bombs that also delivered like. Uh, payloads of like viruses or some kind of virus that turned all the adults into ravenous zombies and all the kids are fine um so it's weird so it's basically if you want to think of it like if you take all the cliques in high school like the jocks the you know the the cheerleaders and all them and they went off and they formed their own mad max like societies that's what this movie this tv show's about uh and then there's like adults 
kind of like lingering off in the background saying random stupid stuff that adults would say like I, I got to pay my mortgage before they just turn around and try to attack you like they've still got a little bit of their mind left enough to say oh, like stupid adult stuff but then they they try to eat you so that's kind of what the- oh my god <laughs> kind of reminds me of the last kids on earth that's like pretty good uh kids series book my kids kind of enjoyed that for that, a little bit and then i guess there is a series as well it's based on that i don't i mean it's based, oh, okay. well, well it's based on a comic or a comic book or a book series so it might be based on that series i don't know i know it's based well, on no because there is an actual last kids on earth okay. uh, series um i and i don't know if it's on it's on netflix of course it is why wouldn't it be <laughs> they're, they're all on netflix Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny. I mean, there is some legit ripoffs of Ferris Bueller in this, and I, I kind of love it for that reason. Like, you know, the teacher at one point is keeps saying, like, the main character's name, you know, kind of like Ferris, but, you know, his name, and I think his name's Josh or something. She's like, Josh, Josh, where's Josh? You know, and, of course, he's, you know, and uh, it's, it's it's got a lot of other things, and the fact that Matthew Broderick's in it just <laughs> makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, going off of that, not on uh, Netflix anymore, just quick. I watched The Witches of Eastwick. That kind of plays in the our whole discussion about the, you know. Devil. Is this the older one or the newer one? This, Isn't there a newer one? I don't know if there's a newer one. No, uh, I heard there was a newer one coming up. Uh, there might be a newer one coming up. This is the one that's got... Um, this is the new. This is the one that's got Jack Nicholas uh, as the devil, basically, in the movie. And I just, Oh, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, and... I think it's, I'm trying to think of all that. It's got Cher in it. It's got um, Susan Sarandon, and I believe Michelle Pfeiffer is the, the other one. And they kind of have a coven, and, of course, they summon the devil or whatever. And it kind it's kind of fitting for, you know, our discussion for this season. It's 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 still really good, I mean, for what it's worth. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, fun little things they do in that movie and, and how detestable they make, you know, Jack, uh, Nicholas, whatever he's. He's supposed to be this charming, you know, like they're like, let's think of the most charming individual. And he kind of is at first, but then whenever he starts revealing the fact that he's kind of a misogynistic, you know, piece of shit that oh, yeah. uh, just wants blowies and, you know, uh, and somebody to cook him something for dinner, then that's whenever they decide he needs to go. Uh, I, I think that's kind of a funny twist on the devil. The And just the last thing I'm going to say is uh, watching Shudder. I've watched a bunch of movies recently on that because of Joe Bob's last uh, drive-in show. And uh, a few of the ones I watched was there's a movie called Mother's Day that's a trauma classic, if you want to consider it that, about some hillbillies out in Pennsylvania that attack these girls when they're trying to camp. And it's just kind oh, of... Oh, Daphne will love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. Uh, it's it's played totally for stupidity, more so than jokes or any... Or, I mean, more so for the horror or anything like that. Uh, literally, the guys are like doing... like They do a montage halfway through it, uh, their weird kind of exercise routine where they're, they're practicing how they're going to stab women so they've got like these little things in the woods and they've got the montage music in the background they're like you know practicing their stabs and doing calisthenics so they can run faster so they can stab them you know quicker and uh and it's called mother's day because their mom is the one that actually you know keeps them in line even though she's she's proud of them when when her boys kill or you know brings these dead women back to the house um oh my god spoiler alert uh, anybody that actually cares to watch this movie, uh, it has one of the most interesting final kills of the movie where one of the, the, the final girls actually kills mom 
by uh, grabbing <gasps> a pair of inflatable uh, tits and smothering no. her with them. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're kind of like pool floaties, and she just kind of grabs them and holds them over her mom's head until she dies, and it's supposed to be some kind of... Motorboated her to the bitter end. And it's supposed to be like some kind of meta comment about how she smothered her boys, you know, and now she's getting smothered by her own... I don't know. It it doesn't make a lot of sense, but she gets killed by tits, so there's that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Now I need to see it. It's really stupid. Uh, the, there's another movie that's kind of dumb in an interesting way called Fried Berry that they showed. And it's like this, it's it's a South African film. And it's about this really weird looking guy. He looks like a crackhead, honestly. I mean, I, I hate to say it about the actor because I, I think that's just how he looks. But that's, you know, calling it is what, you know, it is. And he gets abducted by aliens at the beginning of the movie. He gets sent back with an alien inside of his body. And the alien goes around and tries to experience Earth, and he just gets into a series of weird shit throughout the movie. I don't know how it's supposed to be considered a horror movie, you know, but like at one point in time, he does have a chainsaw battle with this guy who's trying to eat children or something. I don't know. It's kind of a psychedelic movie, too, so I don't really know if that's what's going on. But it's just interesting to see this guy because, I mean, he's literally, he's a terrible actor, but that's what they wanted him for this movie for because, I mean, he's normally one of those guys you see in the background or plays like one of the, you know, like the henchman or something because he's got that look. But they made him the main actor because they want the character to be kind of like an alien who's trying to, you know, who doesn't know what humans are supposed to experience. So, like, his facial expressions are never what they need to be for the... Oh, yeah, they're not natural. Yeah, so, like, I mean, like, he goes into a club at the beginning of the movie right after he's been re re possessed by or you know spoiler alert for the movie we're going to be doing by the alien or whatever and um that somebody gives him lsd so he just pops it and he starts like freaking out and like it has all this electro music playing while he's like you know just going crazy and he and here's the type of movie is he picks up a hooker shortly after that he he leaves his baby's mama and goes picks up a hooker because he's an alien he don't know any better and uh he has sex with her she instantly becomes pregnant instantly has the baby and then uh and then he just moves on from there and it's just like okay that happened and then the movie just goes one thing after another it's the craziest fucking thing you can watch and that's your thing and i recommend you probably be on something when you watch it because it'll probably make more sense than it did watching it sober <laughs> god uh, you know i feel like these are the kind of things that happen when you don't have kids <laughs> to take up all your precious loving time this is the kind of shit that you watch <laughs> uh, I, hey that might be the case i don't know but that, i watched it so much. i would be watching this stuff if i didn't have my kids constantly interfering with my lives <laughs> It's it's interesting in a weird way. That's all I can say about it. Um, I did watch a. They had a, a couple of really good movies on this season, though. They had Train to Busan. That's another zombie movie, and it's actually a really good zombie movie. If I'm going to rate this oh, one, oh no, this one is an absolute four out of five. This is one of those zombie movies where you're on the edge of your seat. The zombies are the hyper. Nope. They're the hyper zombies. They, these fucking things. Nope. They not only run, but they will crowd so much against like plate glass that they will literally break out of it, fall to the ground, and then get up and start running after you. And they yep, that's a nope. And they hired people who were contortionists to play these characters. So when they break, you know, in quotation marks, their legs, these people literally flip over in weird contorted ways and start chasing nope. after the people. That's that's the kind of movie it is. And I have a nope checklist, and you're checking off all the boxes. <laughs> and did I mention they're all trapped on a train while these zombies are attacking them? So they're nope. <laughs> Uh, if you're in the zombie movies, check it out. It's a good one. Uh, and, oh, God. And then finally, the Nicolas Cage classic, because I can't. It's it's Nicolas Cage that leads into the Attack of the Bees. Uh, it's the movie Mandy, and it is glorious. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it has the Cheddar Goblin, if nothing else, and you need to watch it for that scene. 
the Cheddar Goblin? Yeah. Uh, there is a scene halfway through the movie has nothing to do with the movie at all, which the movie is a psychedelic trip in its own right. But he he something bad happens, and he's dealing with it in the weirdest way possible because it's Nicolas Cage. And he's watching TV, and there is a commercial that comes on. It's the Cheddar Goblin. It is a creature that is this weird horrific looking goblin and it eats your mac and cheese and then it throws up combination of mac and cheese and and what look and i think they said uh, joe bob said it was uh pineapple pudding or something all over these children and they're they're happy that it's vomiting all over top of them and that's a cheddar goblin for you i mean first off you touch my mac and cheese i'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> don't mess with my food so <laughs> the cheddar goblin oh my god and just just the tagline for this movie, if you want to, if you think it might be something you're interested, uh, if you can imagine Nicolas Cage losing someone, kind of going crazy because of it, snorting hyper cocaine or LSD or whatever it is, and then going after a bunch of demonic bikers in the in the most egregious ways possible to finish out the movie and get his revenge against the evil cult leader, that is what you're getting in Mandy, and it is absolutely worth every minute of time that you spend with it. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's it's one of those openings now that you have to get through because they, what is this called? It's called Mandy because he loses Mandy and that's the the whole reason for the movie. Oh Jesus! Oh my God! <laughs> it, it'll come back up here in a second, but let me. Uh, let, I, uh, do you have anything else to discuss before we move on to the actual discussions of this this podcast? I don't think so. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think it's time now for Attack of the Bees. If you enjoyed this episode of What's Up in the Holler, please look forward to our next episode where we continue our review of Stay Tuned and Repossessed, the double feature. Death Holler is a production of Los Diablos Blancos Network and is brought to you by your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and La Yarena. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget to bring your death certificate.